Oh my gosh! Every time we clap in, it's like a it's like a Meisner exercise, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that where I just saw like a beep like show up on the on the audacity. So I think we're, I think we're <laughs> rad. Good morrow, thespians. I'm Jen Ponton. Hail and well met. I'm Lillian Bustle. Hail and well met. And today we have with us a dear friend of mine and no stranger to the bar at all, Greg Jolly. Hello. Greg wears so many hats. He is a filmmaker. He made this gorgeous film last year or the year before that was just stunning. Uh, he's an actor, a writer, a photographer, a musician, a visual artist. Greg does it all. Um, all of all of the things that leave you destitute on the street. Yeah, but, you have to be um, good at all of them to make like this much money. Right, yeah. but uh, um, Greg and I met doing children's theater. He's been a stage actor for 20 years, plays, musicals, uh, tons and tons of Shakespeare, lots of children's theater, lots of dance, uh, stunt work, stage fighting, accents, and singing. So the man of all hats, Greg, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I feel like we have enough stories uh, that we actually lived through together. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, Greg has so many more. I know he's been (laughs) in basements for a very long time. (laughs) In all corners, certainly of New Jersey. (laughs) Why does performance always winds up with us being subterranean? What is that about? (laughs) Can't I just perform on a roof sometime? Like, please. (laughs) I feel like you will just wind up in a lot of like dingy spaces. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yeah. I'm. I am no stranger. Especially when you're early in the, excuse me, early in the career, I found myself mm-hmm. in a lot of like very kind of dusty, dingy places. <laughs> I was just, I was just recently. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to crap on this venue because it's, it's a lovely venue. But have you ever noticed, like, when you're in New York City, there are some places that no matter how nice the actual places the bathroom can possibly be so filthy that it will never actually be clean (laughs) oh so a hundred i did a reading for um a guy that jen and i both know a director that we worked with he wrote a book about uh alexander the great and i did a reading at the seediest fucking bar i have ever been in in my entire life down in the village i lived in the village i've been in really seedy joints all over this country this was so there were two like hamster tanks in this in the, and i i'm almost 100% sure they were using the cedar chips to like mask the smell of Ooh. whatever oh, horrible things no. have gone down in that basement it 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 was a green room uh <laughs> that just smelled like piss and beer and a couch that was just stained all over the place and like our voices got shitty in the half hour we were waiting down there just to go like it was so dusty and gross and mildewy and moldy it was disgusting i I wish i could remember the name of the bar it was uh it was it was a weird reading to do um for me personally just because it was something that was just very different for me and uh the the joint was just so I just, I was like, I'm going to get murdered here. Like someone's going to kill me and I'm, I don't get scared anywhere. I'm a big dude. Like people don't scare me, but man, this joint, it was something else. So yeah, it's, it's been a bunch of, I were, were you guys there just for the one night? Yeah. So we, we had done a couple of readings in a few different places. We did another one that I think was towards the city, but not in the city. Um, 
and it, it was only four actors. So we were traveling in kind of a small crew and, and this guy who had written this, um, I guess really it's more of a libretto than a book. Um, cause it was intended to be a musical. Uh, we did one in the city. We did one, I want to say in like Hoboken, we did one at the theater that this, this guy owns. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was like a, a very shock value kind of thing. Um, that was really meant to like goad people. So I was saying things that I'm like, man, I feel like people don't talk this way. You know what I mean? I have a, I have a filthy fucking mouth, but this, there was shit coming out of my mouth that I'm like, God damn son. Like, (laughs) you know, like, I'm like, bro, like taper it back a a notch, but whatever. It was an experience. It was basically meant to emphasize how this like great, uh, this great actor of war and leader was super duper duper gay and how gay could we possibly bend like and and <laughs> and gay to a degree that like I, I i know a lot of gay people and this isn't like my one gay friend like i know you know i've been in theater my whole life like mm-hmm. i have never met anybody like this like the people mm. that he was writing there i <laughs> i i cringe to use the term I, so I was playing Alexander's father during one course of this reading. And I have a line where he's about to go like rail some stable boy. And, and I literally say, make them watch how I fuck the boy cunt of a kid. And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Like, all right. Like, I, you know, I don't shy away from a word, but fuck. I was like, no. Man, like oh. nail hammer, you know, like really yeah. hitting people over. And and like I said, I think it it was he had been so incensed at the way that Alexander the Great had been portrayed throughout history because Alexander was totally gay. Uh, a lot of people were, and, and openly so. Um, you know, Hephaestion, who was like his right hand general, was totally his lover. Um, and so this this was like a very angry response to that kind of cultural phenomenon of. Uh, I guess I shouldn't call it a phenomenon because it's been completely normalized to just like wipe gay people out of history. But um, sure. this sort of cultural, yeah, it, that's a good word for it, straight washing. Um, that Alexander, Alexander the Great had been kind of straight washed throughout history. And, you know, everyone knew, but it was, you know, one of those like fringy things where it was like, yeah, we all know that this is what's really happening or really happened, but we don't really talk about it that way because... <laughs> War is so associated with masculinity in its most toxic uh-huh. fucking forms. And, um, you know, no one kind of wanted to acknowledge that, like, <laughs> the, probably the greatest military leader in history was totally gay. <laughs> so, yeah, it was so a weird experience. This, this dear friend of ours really tripled, quadrupled, quintupled down on making up for lost time. <laughs> He, Raising awareness. Oh, man, did he ever. Holy <laughs> shit, did he ever. If yeah. you ever want to see it, Lillian, I do. I'm almost certain that I have a spiral bound. So Yeah, I, I have a version. copy of it. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, we're all pretty fucking aware now. Maybe yeah. we should uh, Maybe we should do a stage reading of it. <laughs> he, would yes. love it. he would actually love it. Oh, that. he would love it. He would legit love it. <laughs> so, yeah, CD places. We, oh, great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, uh, so, okay, so especially because we we do this stuff, especially when we're young, and Lily and Greg and I aren't both from Peaberg, but we are both from, like, the same little corner 
of of Hicksville. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and um, so since we sort of bend more towards these seedy basements and dingy places when we're younger, like what were the first uh, very memorable instances of you being in like off, 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 off Hoboken in the middle of the night on a Tuesday and like, this is art and I'm an actor. And- <laughs> so it's funny, actually, uh, my my initial like real hardcore professional experiences were not that um, they were they were bigger. Um, so I, I did an internship after my second year of college at a place called Flat Rock Playhouse. It's the state theater in North Carolina. Um, and these guys are the highest subscribed regional theater in America. They're incredibly successful. They use a slip stage, which is amazing. Uh, So you can literally build an entire house on a stage and then slip it off into the wings and you have a completely empty stage. They do massive music. Yeah, they they hire all like New York Broadway actors. Richard Kind was down there. I met him. Um, Yeah, like uh, 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 Pat. uh, Oh, God, what's his name? Old actor Pat, whatever, uh, from like Batman and stuff. He he was down there. Um, So they they hire like real names. Um, So that was my my real foray into like understanding what a professional big scale theater is like, but you know, you listen to <laughs> me talk, great. you, you hear how I am and you drop me into the middle of like real <laughs> corn pone Appalachia down there. I guess it's more like, you know, blue Ridge, but um, mm-hmm. they're, they're like slow mountain folk. And I don't mean slow, mm-hmm. like stupid. I mean, slow, like they just live like slow. They're, yeah. Their pace is just uh, like a dead, you might as well be going backwards. Um, <laughs> very blue area in a very red state, right, uh, right, right? Which is my bread and butter, but at the same time, like a real culture shock. So sure. I, I can remember, um, you know, people like almost immediately are like, "Man, you swear a lot." I'm like, <laughs> whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It was, it, and it's a weird thing to say to somebody <laughs> from New Jersey because that's just like par for the course. It's just how you live yeah, here, right. you know. Like, <laughs> fuck is as common as the. Born so, with a fucking spoon in my mouth. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it, it's 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 as commonplace as any do? other word. Like the, you know that that's just kind of it's. I would almost call it like our dialect. Absolutely, up on the northeast I'm coast sure. to just speak that a way. Thousand percent. So that kind of culture clash and like waiting behind people in a line. What a goddamn nightmare it is down there because oh, they're just no. they're taking their time. I don't wait in lines. That is plebe shit. I do not <laughs> do it. That is fucking pedestrian. I am better than that. So I yeah exactly. I, am I don't fucking wait in lines, and I certainly don't wait in a slow one. Uh, oh. So it was like a lot of that. Um, but the the experience at the theater was really amazing. What was awesome? So we we worked across the street from the Carl Sandburg. Um, home carl sandberg was this amazing american poet he wrote the the american songbook and um he was just like this really famous author he wrote this incredible um auto or not auto because he's not him uh this incredible biography of abraham lincoln that was told over like several volumes and it's almost written in poetry it's beautiful Um, i i saw a piece about this on jen cbs sunday morning He's my favorite absolute <laughs> genius writer. And he died a very long time ago, but his home and his estate is still maintained. It's right across the street from the theater. So it's like a 300 acre goat farm. Um, <laughs> so they sell all these like great, like goat cheese and goat chocolate. And I've had goat fudge for the first time down there. But what's Ooh. even better is psilocybin cubensis mushrooms grow in the goat shit. That's all over no! the place. And because Amazing. it's such a, in, it's mm. so humid in the mountains up there. 
<laughs> we worked at the Carl Sandburg house, so we would perform his stuff for kids uh, who would like come from like summer camps and shit. And we would perform like the American Songbook for them, and we did uh, a Lincoln show for for like older kids once the fall season hit. Um, and that was part of the job of the apprentices and interns was to do these shows. And so what you know, we would go over there and do that shit. And then on the way back, I just kind of like send everybody ahead of me and bring a pillowcase and just load it psilocybin <laughs> ketones mushrooms. And that's kind of how I like survived down there was selling these things off around Hendersonville. And the people who worked there oh would not God. love me. Like to, oh not love to hear God, about them. Greg, but like I was eating mushrooms all the time and like selling off like, just like, you know, uh, these dried psilocybin mushrooms to like people all over Hendersonville. I made oh in one God. night, there was a, a music festival in Hendersonville, <laughs> which is the town where this, this theater is. Um, there was this great music festival. It was a bluegrass festival. And I made probably like 1500 bucks in a night. Just yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was. Really was there great. any learning curve to realizing that they were fun shrooms and not toxic shrooms? I know what to look for because yeah. I know what they look like and I know how to cure them the right way. So. Yeah, I mean, there there was a learning curve prior to me picking those. Because sure. if I just picked them and started eating them and they weren't what we thought they were, it yeah, would not right. have gone. We wouldn't be having this conversation. I would just be dead and rotting up on, you know, some Blue Ridge Mountain somewhere. Oh, um, man. But yeah, like I, and I, it's funny, like they, I never did anything like during a show there. Um, it wasn't until like after I left there and. I don't know, like all the professionalism I had learned from that place just like wore off for a little while in my 20s. Um, <laughs> so it, it was kind of an odd thing of going from this like 700 seat, massive, tons of money dumped into a theater as like my first kind of hardcore experience of professional theater to these like 200 seat like dingy or even like a 40 seat black box on like the fifth floor where there's like apartments above you. Um, oh god! Are was, you talking was, about you know, Wow Cafe Theater? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that like, is real. It's like going from like a Buick to a Lamborghini, oh. and then you have to go back to a Buick. God. Oh yeah, Greg. You know? When I moved up to New York, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to be so professional. And it's going to be so exciting, and like people are going to get places on time, and like we're going to have such really great get into the work. <laughs> and then I got here, and I was like. Oh no! <laughs> no, it's everyone's a, a mess and everything's dark and dirty. <laughs> and and not to—I don't ever want to disparage artists from pursuing what they want to pursue. There is so much bad fucking theater in New York. So, so much, much bad theater. Bad theater. Uh, so much well-funded bad theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god! That, and that's that's the film community. That's I mean, the worst I, part. Like all the work that I've done in film, I either crowdsourced or I paid for it or both. Um, and I'm done with crowdsourcing. I can't, I can't extort my family it's and friends lot. for any more money. It's humiliating. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's like panhandling without any, without playing a song for them. It's, it's awful. <laughs> um, not to disparage panhandlers because they actually provide you a product. Uh, for me, we really was, need an app for like artists and benefactors. Yeah, that's like so. It's funny. I, I've talked to a few people in the New Jersey film scene who tend to get bigger budgets, and I remember. I had somebody come on to a film set um, one of, for, for one of my films and they were talking, well, I, you know, I usually work in like forty, fifty thousand $50,000 budgets and my film, my film been a while, which is my most personal and favorite of, of the projects that I've made. Beautiful. Um, 
cost $2,700. And it was made on a skeleton crew and with a cast of amazing actors. And uh, I remember this person, like, making that comment. And then I hit them up later, and I was like, hey, so, like, how, how are you, you know, just to pick their brain, like, how are you getting this funding? Like, where, where are you acquiring this? And it was like, oh, my mom has, like, a rich friend. And I'm like, well, fuck you. Like, don't fucking yeah, act yeah. like you have some massive connection or, uh-huh. you know, you're, like, amazing at, like, finding funding. You have a dude who's just got money to burn that wants an IMDb credit, and good for you. I'm not sure. disparaging you finding that. Fucking awesome if you have an angel investor like that, but. Stop acting like I'm not doing the work. You know what I mean? Like, don't mm-hmm. don't look down on my project just because I don't have, you know, loaded friends. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If anyone in tech out there wants to make a, a dating app, a matchmaking app for benefactors and artists, that's what we really all need because we don't all have someone who has a rich friend who just Absolutely. wants to like, support and, and you know what? Make it a dating app, too. I'll take right? somebody out to dinner if they're from yeah. like a five thousand dollar check. <laughs> Look, man, I'm trying to make it in this business. That's right. Be a sugar filmmaker. There Absolutely. You go. Yes. Whoop. Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. I wish oh, there was like. So I I have a friend who um is uh, a prostitute and a sex worker. Let's call it a sex mm-hmm. worker because yeah, that's yeah. what it is. That's, that's what work. we say. Um. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh. And. She is a financial dominatrix. I want that job. Oh, this man. this girl doesn't Hell have to yes. fuck anybody. She doesn't have to touch anyone. She just sits there and tells men how fucking wormy they are. And she's like, you're a piece of shit. Give me $1,000. And they're like, yes, ma'am. They just hand it over. Like, wow. I, I <laughs> Why can't I have that job? And the reason I can't have that job is because I guess my sex has been doing that to the other sex it's the beginning of time so there's no fetish for it it's just reality and that sucks so i guess i bet guys would be very into it well yeah i mean i guess i could do it to like other dudes but i don't i don't there's just nothing to relate for that for me you know what i mean and i can't like yell at women that way because that's just creepy and weird so i I think that i think findom is almost exclusively women to men. Women about men. I mean, it has yeah. to be. And I can't even imagine, even if there are, are women out there who have that fetish of, like, getting, you know, shit on and handed, handing their money over, I would imagine it's 99.9% exclusively to other women. Oh, yeah, I would absolutely. You know what I mean? That. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, don't, right. I don't think... Uh, I don't know, man. Especially in twenty twenty one. There's nothing like, novel about no about like being a dude yelling at a woman. A woman. Yeah, money. Right. That's just a pimp. Like that really just yeah. sounds like a pimp to me. <laughs> no, thank you, Uncle Sam. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That just sounds like government. I yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah, um, yeah no. So, I, I but I, I wish. Uh, yeah, funding funding for films like a tricky thing and um, would be real good. It's, it's all come out of my pocket so far, mm-hmm. and right the pockets of those who I've guilted into helping right. me achieve my dream. Nah. <laughs> so before before we get too far away from the sure. topic of mushrooms, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in uh in your notes, um you had hinted about something involving uh, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, man. Yeah, so I was doing um, a professional children's theater production of Winnie the Pooh. And these shows were at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning on weekdays. And on on weekends, it was, like, 10 a.m. And sometimes it was two show days where it was, like, 10 and 1. And so not only are you doing this show, 
uh, for like screaming children who, I mean, l- like, let's be real. You're just like shapes and noise to them. Like they're not, you know, if, if you get a kid that's like over four or five, they might identify you as like that thing. But otherwise you're just like, I'm playing Eeyore and Tigger and I'm just big gray and orange shapes that just yells things and flashing lights. And um, so we were doing this production. I was probably about like 22 at the time. I was pretty young. Um, and I was in a very big psychedelics phase at the time. So I was doing a lot of acid and a lot of mushrooms and masculine and peyote and all the things that you do. Um, and I had spent the night before, like, taking heroic doses of mushrooms. <laughs> like, probably, like, five, six dried grams of, like, hard psilocybin cubensis mushrooms and drinking Robitussin. Because wow. back, yeah, so mushrooms Robot back tripping. when... Yes. So back then, mushrooms were actually cheaper than weed. Uh, I've smoked weed most of my life. And but, you know, you go through your 20s, you got no money and weed was expensive back then because it's not like it is now. Mm. Um, And so I had been able to to procure some psilocybin mushrooms and we had like no money and our connects weren't around to even like front us anything. So we were like, well, we want something that's going to like really get us fucked up, but we want something that'll also like bring it down a little bit. So we were like, well, we could like throw Robitussin in there because that like kind of knocks you out. And so when we need to go to sleep. So we went to CVS and this is like pre-meth days. Like you didn't have to fucking sign a thing to get Sudafed back then. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, you just got this medicine and. Um, so we went and bought like eight bottles of Robitussin. So I spent all night tripping face on mushrooms and then probably about like four in the morning, I'm like, I got a show tomorrow. So I'm like, bottles of, so I drank like a bottle and a half of Robitussin. So Robitussin for anyone who's never robo tripped there, you get this thing called the itches. So you get like an itch in one place and if you touch it, you just got to let it go and just deal with the itch for like 30 seconds and it'll go away. But if you scratch it, you're done. That's the rest of your day is like this. Oh my God, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, because it just like fucks up your nerves and shit. So so I never, I didn't get to sleep. So I'm like half in the bag on on a bunch of mushrooms that are like starting to get their way out of my system. I got Robitussin (laughs) that's just in the middle of my system. And then I had like one hit of acid on top of that. Just kind (laughs) of like milling around. Like it wasn't like really hitting hard, but it wasn't definitely wasn't not there. Um, So I had to go do the show that morning. So my friends are dropping me off and they're all like pounding breakfast sandwiches and I can't eat anything because I'm like, I'm dying. Like, I, I I have no appetite. Like, I'm just tripping face. I'm sweating like crazy. And I'm, like, trying to put my makeup on. You know, I'm wearing, like, face God. paint makeup because it's, you know, I'm playing Eeyore and Tigger. Like, I have to, you know, do some things. to. So, like, there's shit, like, running all over my face. I'm trying to, like, powder it up and clean it up. And people no. are talking to me, and I'm grunting at them. Like, I just have nothing to say. And as soon as I got the makeup on, I'm, like, outside just chain-smoking cigarettes. Because I'm, like, I, I like, can't wrap my head around what I have to do. So... Uh, All I can so think I, of is those Ben Affleck memes. Of it, it was him. like that, but my, but like imagine his pupils are the size of like saucers. Like that's that's what I look like, and just sweating profusely and like really wide eyed. And so I go out to do the show, and I'm I'm talking like in a really weird pitch. Like oh, I'm no. Eeyore, and so I'm supposed. Thanks for noticing me. I'm like, thanks for noticing me, bro. Like I'm like freaking out, and like kids are like looking at me weird, and maybe they weren't. Maybe they were looking at me normal, but I was weird, and so I thought they were weird. Sure. And just like sweating, and there's lights like blasting in my face. Oh, and God. at at one point in the middle of a costume change, 
I was like throwing up into a bucket of sawdust backstage at, like that I had literally made one of our tech guys like dump a bunch of the sawdust from the workbench into a bucket I'm going to be throwing up today. Um, and then and so the worst part of it is that at the end of the show you have to meet and greet with these kids so you go oh, down into no. the lobby and the kids oh. like want to hug you and take a picture with you or you have to put them on your lap and I can't tell you how many kids I almost dropped. Like, parents were literally handing me their kids, and I'm like, oh, like, I couldn't, like, close my hands around them and, like, hold them up. So I'm, like, holding kids by one arm, and they're, like, taking their picture like this. Um, and just, like, sweating on these kids. Like, they're like, Mommy, he's, like, sticky. And I'm like, dude, get the fuck off of me. Like, don't touch me. Like, and these kids are, like, touching my face, and I am bugging the fuck out. Complete meltdown mode. Like, I'm, I'm like, I, there's... Yeah, it's it's like, you know, they say, like, you choose your own hell, right? If you're a bad person, you die and you go to hell. Like, the hell is the worst thing you can... It's like, you know, what? Mm-hmm. like when they summon the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's like yes. that philosophy. Yes. That's my hell, is, like, Robitussin trip itches in a, in a hot fur costume with a hundred little kids yelling and screaming and touching me with their sticky hands. I don't know why children always have sticky hands, but their hands are always always sticky. sticky. And I'm pretty sure it's because they're putting them in their mouth all the time, which is fucking foul. And Uh, their mouths and snacks. Yeah. It's, and it's gross. And yeah, so that was, that was a really, really rough experience. Uh, I I don't know how I got through the show. I don't, I had like four songs to sing. I don't know. I got through any of them. Um, and yeah, I was like throwing up backstage. It was just really, really bad. And then I went home and slept for like, I don't know, like a day and a half. I don't think oh, I emerged. Oh, God. The show yeah. must go on. Yeah, it sure must. And and this is a theater that doesn't cast understudies. So you are it. And and if you're sick, you're performing sick. If your leg fell off, you're performing one-legged. Like they don't care. You, you work. Um, that, that, was a, that was a rough one. Um, yeah. Yeah, recommendation to all the people who are getting into theater, don't eat a bunch of mushrooms and drink a bunch of Robitussin. I don't even know if people drink Robitussin anymore. I feel like I don't the think kids now are all eating it. Molly and shit. Like, they're all on MDMA. Uh-huh. What do they do? Oh, yeah. oh, it's the dumb shit, like Tide Pods. Yeah, well, I don't, don't know do that what to that's... get high, Jen. Yeah, oh, I, no? think that was just a, I think that was just a gag. I don't know what oh, really? kids are... You know, all the kids are, like, hitting the no vape idea. now. And, like, I, the vape's cool, I guess. But, like, I, I don't know. I prefer old school weed. Like, I just like the, you know, the old flower. Keep it simple. Um, yeah, and, you know, I got... It was so interesting. I got my um, my medical card in 2018 because I have uh, some neck pain. and I just wanted fucking weed. Whatever. I'm not going to justify it. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to smoke weed and not feel like... Also, we live in Jersey. So yeah, exactly. So, fuck it. Whatever. Um, and and the, the different ways of ingesting THC that were handed to me were... It was surreal uh talking to a person wearing a lab coat with like nine (laughs) face piercings and like the half shaved like skrillex haircut it's really she was cool as hell she was great but she was like 25 and she's like so do you know about weed and i'm like i have been smoking weed since before you were born all about weed and she's like well you can do that and i'm like i guess i don't know anything about weed because you just told me nine (laughs) things i've never seen before God. <laughs> yeah, so that wow. that was that so was uh, doing Winnie the Pooh for amazing children tripping my face off. Mm. And then you had to do you had to do a ton of Shakespeare in front of children too. How'd that shit go? Yeah, so that that's a mixed bag. Um, 
Because every once in really, a while, really, because kids usually love Shakespeare. Yeah, they, uh, so it, like, it, there was always like three or four things that were constant. One douchey sixteen-year-old would ask Juliet for her number whenever yeah. we did Romeo and Juliet. One fucking kid. When we do it, we again, this was like a Q and A thing. It was an educational theater. It was professional, but um, it was like high schools and sometimes like you know first-year college students, and then sometimes like middle schoolers. Um, depending on the show and where we were in the season. So you'd get, uh, you know, one kid would always ask for Juliet's phone number, which is, you know, whatever. And then um, <laughs> you would always get, like, the one, like, huckster who would just fuck around during the course of the entire show. And these kids, like, I would aim for, and the director would kind of put them in noticeable areas, like down in the front or in the aisles, so that they'd be easy to remove. He had a really good eye for knowing, like, which kids were going to be pricks. Oh, yeah. So every once in a while, like, you know, a a lot of our entrances came from the house onto the stage. So every once in a while, like, if I knew a kid was, like, fucking around through the show, I'd, like, throw him a little elbow or something. Just just give him, like, a little smack in the head or something when I walk past, just to be like, I'm you know, this isn't TV. I can see you. Um, <laughs> I uh, I had one group come on April Fool's Day to this theater. This theater has a lot of flaws, but it's my home. It's it's a place that I've done a lot of professional work, and I love this place. It's like my church, and uh, my church run by the most flamboyant man. It would kill the church to <laughs> that call yeah, it this my church. Once upon a time, it was a church. Flamboyantly gay man I've ever met in my life. Um, <laughs> This we had an April Fool's performance or an April Fool an April first performance and you know it's April Fool's Day. Some kid dropped a stink bomb in the in the theater and and it was horrific. I mean the smell was fucking oh, atrocious. Oh no! And during Can I ask course, Greg, what do they smell like? What do they smell like? Yeah, they're it's like um like it's it's basically uh, my understanding is like a sulfur. Um, so it smells oh. like bad eggs. Like if you've like uh, like overboiled an egg and then let it right. sit out on the oh counter for like God, a month, like that's dreadful. what it's and it doesn't go away. Like you you Earth. can open the it just fucking hangs and because it's it's a liquid. These smoke bombs are like it's a little glass thing and you smash it on the ground, so it's a liquid. So if you grind that into a carpet, it's not going away for hours. Oh no. shit! Yeah. So it's nothing permanent, but it it'll go the whole show. So oh, these these kids did that, Quit. and then at another point, one of our actors was monologuing. And someone like threw like a couple of nickels at him, which is the weirdest kind of uh, heckle. Like I've never seen someone throw nickels. Like that felt very medieval to me. Like that's yeah. what you do to like the right. court jester is you like throw a little thing of you know a little coin purse at him or something that's both meant to like pay him for his work but also show your contempt. You know, like ah, oh, you fucking yeah, right, clown. Right, like right. here's your stupid vague amount of money that I'm throwing at you. Um, <laughs> So that's that's what it was like. They they were like throwing nickels at this guy, and one of them actually hit him. Like it it no, it didn't hurt him, but like it hit him like on the shoulder, and he was like, "What the fuck?" Um, so when we went to do the the Q and A afterwards, uh, I went out and I like lambasted these kids for like ten minutes, and I was like, "You punks, you little <sighs> fucking nobodies." I was like, "Just because most of you are gonna have a job with your name on your shirt for the rest of your life." That doesn't mean you get to ruin the show for everybody. You bunch of car wash attendants, like verbatim <laughs> saying shit like that to these kids. And the teachers fucking knew. They knew that they weren't doing their jobs. Um, and so they just kind of let me have at it with these little shits. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, totally worth it. It was that 
that that's like a, a bad story, but a Adults total will protect you. Yeah, because yeah. it's like I like how often have you been in a shitty, you know, seen a shitty audience like that you've either been in or you've been on stage for a shitty audience and you just wanted to fucking hand it to them. Mm-hmm. And I got to hand it to them. I got to mm. fucking take that pie of shit and stuff it right in their little God, that's so beautiful. Dickhead 14-year-old faces. <laughs> yeah. And and it's even better when it's kids cuz when you have like really shitty trashy kids and they're like being assholes, there's nothing better than cutting the lack of humility out of a child oh yeah really shitty too, that's you know that is amazing yeah i uh i was doing the very first show that i did in new york um in a very small black box theater uh where basically i was i was delivering a monologue about how i was looking for i was looking through like my parents medicine cabinet to see if i could find something to kill myself with and it winds up to be a funny monologue but at the very beginning it is not and uh, the friends of one of the other leads in this show were hit-faced drunk. And they were in, they were basically like two feet, their knees were two feet from my knees no. as I'm delivering this. And I, I mean, I got through it, but like it got to the point where I just stared them down because they were like laughing. And then they were like, oh, she's mad at us. And I was just like, I have to get through the scene whether or not you're. Ugh. Yeah, it was nice to like rip into those kids. Oh, man. Oh, man. And then every other adult just sort of silently gave you tacit permission. Yeah, 100%. Every teacher was like, I could see it in their eyes. Like, thank you. Thank you for saying what I will get sued by parents if I say. And even the director, like, as much as I know that he will absolutely stand up for children all the time, for him to be like, no, great. No, he just, yeah. Didn't say a word. In fact, he introduced me because I told him I was like, I'm gonna say something. He was like, okay. He was like, Greg Jolly, everybody. <laughs> and I was like, you fucking shithead monsters. Like, yeah, yeah. Remember my name, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, I was like, you'll not soon forget this man in tights who just <laughs> ruined your day, you little assholes. You thought you were getting just a free day out of school. I got news for you. Here's a smack oh, in the face with reality, you little dicks. So oh my good. god. <laughs> So, but this was not the performance where uh, where you took a sword to the face. No, so I was doing a production of Macbeth, um, and I uh, <clears throat> at the time I was playing um, I was playing Macduff, and this was really funny. Uh, so I was playing, and, and there's there's actually another great thing to this too. So I was doing two gigs at the same time at this theater. One was a children's gig, and one was a Shakespeare gig. The children's gig was The Little Mermaid. And I was playing Ursula the Sea Witch. Yes, and I crushed are. that shit. Uh, yes. Full drag. It was amazing. Um, oh, my God. So I played Ursula the Sea Witch. And then at the same time, I was playing Macduff in Macbeth. And <laughs> so I had to have a beard uh, throughout the course of Macbeth. And I'm not gluing a beard on every day. So I, I had grown my beard out, but I also had to play Ursula. So we used to call her, like, the postmenopausal Ursula. We just had, like, this, like, you know, explosion in there. Um, and... I, we were doing a scene, and when I wasn't on stage playing Macduff, and this is this was the funny part, I was also playing an assassin because I'm, I'm proficient in sword fighting. Um, so I actually, as the assassin, killed my own family in the play. Nah. Um, but it was it was right after Banquo's death, and the guy who was playing uh, Macbeth, um, he has a scene where you know we failed to kill Macduff, or Banquo's son Fleance. And he goes to grab me and he would come up and like kind of get my shirt and like push me up against the wall. 
and my sword was in its uh, in its hilt, and he or in its hilt in its in its frog, and he caught the hilt of the sword in his finger and Ooh. took it up when he went to go like that. And oh pommel, god! This is a for those who don't know, a pommel on a sword is a steel ball on the end of the handle oh, of, of your blade. So. Like whenever you're watching them, you know some like sword and sandals epic or something. It's that thing that's on the end of the blade. It's meant to like you know provide a stopping point for your grip and that help balance out the weight. So this steel ball went hit me right in the nose oh, and immediately like God. just yeah like a river like just coming out of me oh, and no. oh no <laughs> I'm like bleeding and and so I'm I'm wearing a mask right because they can't see my face so all you can see right. is like eye holes and a oh, mouth and you just God. see this like spreading across my face like a Rorschach test oh, no. of my oh, own no. blood. I looked like Rorschach from The Watchmen. Like, it was just like this, like, <laughs> slow-moving, oh, like, color across my face on this gray mask. And then, like, I'm, I'm trying to say lines because, you know, the show has to go on. But I'm, like, sputtering through blood that's, like, running out of the mouth hole. So <laughs> the, the audience just sees, like, blood, like, falling down, but you can't really see where it's coming from. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I've got I've caught a lot of a lot of sword injuries. I have scars like all over me from <laughs> inexperienced <laughs> fighters or even experienced fighters. I mean, shit happens. Yeah, I've I've left a lot of blood on the boards before. Um, oh man, we I did one show where a kid got stabbed through the hand. Our Romeo went to uh, kill Tybalt, and he had this dagger, and it's a blunt dagger, and. <laughs> And a heavy uh, steel one too. I mean, these are, these are starfires, so these are like really kind of old school heavy blades. It's it's oh they're just not sharp, which makes it even worse when you get stabbed with it. Sure. Uh, so this uh, this kid who's playing Tybalt drag. Wants to do this, and the guy playing Romeo just aimed wrong and hit him right in the hand. He didn't go through the hand. He like hit it and it bounced off, and we and then Tybalt like has to pretend he's dead. So he's just laying on the ground, but like in total shock because his hand is just pouring blood out. So when you look at the body, you just see like the shaking, like Tibble. And we're all like, I was playing Lord Capulet for this performance. And I'm like, oh man, oh my son, my friend Tibble. Oh shit. Like, and I'm like watching this kid like panicking, like his eyes are wide and he's like sweating like crazy. His hands no. bleeding all over the place. Yeah, we're, we're all trying to keep it cool. But oh, the audience geez. knows, like, we are yeah, not keeping it's it It's cool. gone terribly I, I would wrong. say Romeo and Juliet I is probably my least favorite show I've ever done, and I've probably done it the most. I have, between playing Tybalt and Lord Capulet, I've done, like, probably over 300 performances. <gasps> and you get yeah. into a certain thing. I, I, I think it's my least favorite show, but it's the one I've had the most fun in. Because at mm. some point, like, it just didn't care anymore. So you start right. dropping lines from other shows into it or just finding a way to make it fun or to like make each other. That became like a running gag was like, can we make each other laugh? Like, how can we get some like, how can we reach the apex of non-professionalism by trying to fuck up our other actors <laughs> and make them look bad? Because our director would watch the first show and we would do a run of like 40 of these. He'd watch the first one and then bounce like he would never pay attention. He'd go home during the performance. Oh, my God. He, you know, he didn't yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah. So. It would just be us. So we're like dropping in lines from like Coen Brothers movies or there will be blood just to like see. So my, my guy who we met doing Romeo and Juliet is my best friend now. Um, he played uh, Paris and I was playing Tybalt in this production and I was doubling as Paris's like little servant guy. So we had, there's a scene between the two of them before Paris gets to Juliet's tomb uh, and eventually fights Romeo and dies where he has this little bit with this like 
unnamed servant that's somehow imbued with like a lot of meaning to Paris. He's like, oh, this, you know, my friend. I'm like, no one's ever fucking heard of this guy. So we <laughs> gave him some name. I don't even remember what it was. And, <clears throat> um, it was, uh, we, we called him Del Jefton. And the reason, and I'll, I'll make this quick, but I'd gotten this weird phone call the day before and someone was like, is Del Jefton there? And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but they keep saying the name Del Jefton. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? So it became this character's name. <laughs> And Del so we were like, his name's Del Jefton, the, the, the torch kid. Uh, so at one point, he's like, I'm about to run away. And because um, he's going to send me off to like, you know, hide or something. And he's like, he turns to me and he puts his hand on my cheek and he looks me dead in the eye. And he goes, sweet Del Jefton, I'll miss you most of all. Like to the audience. Like this is a, like a, an audible line. And I, I could, and, and the thing was, I had been shit talking him so much. I'm like, I'm going to make you fucking break. I'm going to no. do all kinds of shit to you. And he totally like hit me with a preemptive strike. And uh, like all I could do, I couldn't even get my line. I had a line after that and I couldn't even get it out. Like I just like closed my eyes and it was the worst 45 seconds of dead air on a stage that I've ever been a part of. Like we just looked at each other and he could see how angry I was. I was like, fuck you. But I couldn't, like, get it together. So I just, like, stared at him and then slowly went and just, like, the slowest, most awkward walk off of a state. Like, I just couldn't get my head together to finish out this scene. Yeah, he got me. He got me real good. So good. Oh, God, that's so beautiful. Oh, my God. We did, um, we did with this company, <laughs> like just thinking of the, the structure of how children's shows would go and that it would be first thing in the morning and just a sea of very, very, very small children. This director decided to license a version of Blue's Clues Live. <laughs> I was going to bring this up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. Because I'm, I'm wondering what I'm forgetting. So Blue's Clues Live was the first show that I did with Greg and at this theater. And holy shit, it was. Wow. Yeah. It was like five or six actors. um, Most of us playing uh, an assortment of like the animated characters that populate Steve's house. And then one girl who was playing Blue and one guy who played Steve. (laughs) And... <laughs> the songs we had to memorize like there and the, and the, all of the props were basically holding like big placards of the way the animation looked on the it was show. It like foam board cutouts of like Mr. Salt sure. and Mrs. Pepper, I think. Right, uh, right. And, and like the mailbox. The mailbox. And we did one song that was all about the planets where we're all like holding like holding a first grade project of planets like those big styrofoam <laughs> balls. Uh, and we're like running around in circles with them. Um, I I remember like so, but in between that, we would play ourselves. Like we had our own, like we kept oh, our yeah, own name. Right. So it was like, hey Jen, hey Matt, like other, except Matt was Steve. Um, and just because like of how inane this all is, and like and the girl playing blue, so she had like a blue head, but no blue face. Like it was her face painted blue, so it was a dog without a nose. Like it like if you look on profile, no. it's just a flat face. <laughs> Very fucking weird. Um and I remember like my my goal throughout the course of the show was to be the one adult. Yes. Like the one grown up who was just over all of it. And and so anytime the Steve guy would be like, Hey Greg, let's draw this, and I'm like 
All right, Steve. Let's draw it, Steve. It like, and correct. I just needed like one person for the parents to relate to because I could uh, see all of them like, just like, sure, just was like not hanging. Perfect. So I, I used to fuck with Matt a lot, <laughs> and just be like really kind of just cynical with him, you know, and just like kind of sarcastic. And that was that was a we and, we had to make that show fun because it made no goddamn sense. It made no sense. Mm. Talk about small children only seeing shapes yeah. and hearing sounds. Like this show was absolutely made for non-verbal. Yeah. <laughs> very young. And it, children. it was like we I think the the goal of the show was to find the most magical place and in the end it was home. And I remember Steve like turning to me and being like, "Wow, Greg, we solved it. The most magical place is home." And I'm like, "Yeah, Steve, we've been here for an hour." <laughs> you know, like it all took place in his fucking stupid drawn house anyway. Oh, it was, so, oh, it was that's ridiculous. That's exactly what it was. God, that show uh, was insane. We had a great time. And the best part was that because Greg was this perfect, like, dichotomy, because Matt was such a good Steve. He was perfect. great. Like, he was so animate. Kids that. loved him. Yeah, he was Aww. fantastic. Kids loved him. Yeah. And so he was just so bouncy and friendly and engaging. And he'd be like, right, Greg? And then Greg would, like, shoot some ire his way. <laughs> and then Matt would get really uncomfortable and be like, great, thanks, Greg. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a very good like um, like straight man banana man like very oh, classic so Abbotty Costello-y kind of routine between the two of us of just, like man. like he was very much the over the top like yeah and he turned to me and I'd be like fuck you and he'd be like okay you know it was it was a very like surrealish kind of uh, dynamic that we had it was a lot of fun that actually I remember so um, we did I did Wizard of Oz with Jen and with her husband. Uh, Andrew. Oh. And Andrew was our Tin Man, and I rem he said something once that like made me fall out of my fucking chair. Laughing. I could never be on stage with Andrew. He, I, Andrew's he's never. He's one of the best improvisers I, I've ever met. Oh, I'm sure like, he's the amazing, guy is but like so quick. But his, I feel like fucking with people is in his blood. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like I can't. Yes. Even. But he does it in like, it's weird because Andrew's like, he's very dangerous to be on stage with because he will get you to break. But as a human, he's like harmless. He's the nicest person, oh, like the, the sweetest, most big hearted guy in the world. But he will fuck with you. And I remember him <laughs> oh, saying yeah. like, oh, he and said, Greg was like, his favorite person to fuck yeah, with. Yeah. Oh, was, I can say that. He was like, he was like, one of these kids is going to come up to me one day and be like, mommy, that metal man tastes like pennies. And I don't know why. But my God, that fucking, that sent me, that one, that floored me. This, this I'm so sorry. Tastes like Penny. Oh, he was, yeah, Andrew, Andrew's a total class. I love Andrew. I miss, I miss him. Um, yeah. I miss working with him. He, uh, oh my God. Yeah, no, we, that, we, we shared a lot of good, there was a lot of fun on those, uh, on some of they those shows. They were a blast. They're just like, we're getting paid to do the most low stakes job in the world. Oh yeah. Like you really can't complain about that right yeah um, i did a production of pinocchio actually with my buddy uh and this this is like the so with my friend who, who did the thing in the shakespeare show um he was playing jiminy cricket and at one point pinocchio gets thrown in a cage by giovanni the racist italian carnival guy whatever <laughs> the, his name is the child butcher kidnapped. yeah exactly yeah the the <laughs> The, like the kid rapist that kidnaps this puppet and throws him in a cage. It's very surreal story. Mm -hmm. And uh, so creepy. He, my buddy, is playing Jiminy Cricket with these big. He looks like Elton John when he's doing the pinball wizard. Like he has these giant glasses on. It's like the most thrown together costume in the world. And he looks out at the audience. He looks at Pinocchio, and he goes, 
And he was like, oh, Pinocchio was caught by blah, blah, blah. And now he goes, despite all his rage, he's still just a rat in a cage. And some guy, one guy in the back of the house with, God, he was wearing, I want to say it was like, it's like an Almond Brothers t-shirt. It was just so obvious that this guy was like a music dude and a pothead. Like when he came in, we all saw it on him. He, this one dude in the back just goes, Tat! like a really loud single laugh. Despite all his rage, he's still just a rat in a cage. Tat! And all of us, like, it like shut down the show for like 30 seconds. And again, oh we could get God. away with this shit because our director just stopped watching performances after the first one. So it just oh became this rotating game of like, what can we do? Oh. To fuck with each other. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that show, actually, I, so I play the guy who turns everybody into donkeys. Um, mm. And and this show is like this really happy-go-lucky, cutesy show. So I was playing the fox, Jay Worthington Falfell, which was a lot of fun. And then I play the horrific donkey guy who, like, <laughs> steals children on this island and plies them with booze, which is what the original <laughs> story is, mm -hmm. and then turns them into donkeys. And so... Our director decided... And to what for, end? That never made sense I, uh, to, to me. Turn yeah, them into right. slave labor, I think. That's the only thing that makes sense. Unless uh, yeah, it's even sense. creepier. Like, oh, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah like right. where it gets really... Down really, to really Tijuana really with you kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh <-huh. laughs> yeah. Like a thing that you pay like nine pesos to see. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's not yeah. cool. Uh, so... It's at he, the box, Lily. He decided to, like, for just this one scene, to just do this harsh red lighting. And oh, he would say to me, he's like, be as big as you can when you do this. Oh, so I would come out and I'd be like, this is what happens to little boys and little girls who play hooky from school. <laughs> and like in this harsh red hellfire light. And every time you'd think it would be like kids screaming. As soon as the scene was over, it was silent, and you would just hear sniffles. You would hear these little five-year-old sniffles, and these little, like, it was so scary that they couldn't even scream cry. They were just horrified, soul-crushed, whimpering to their mothers, like, just like these little cry, and they never recovered. Like, when we would come out for the curtain call, they're like, like, like really shitty clapping and just terrified of us. Yay! Yeah. Good. That makes the that makes the meet and greet quicker. Absolutely, they, they were out quick. <laughs> He's done with that in ten minutes. No sticky hands in yeah. your lap nope. this time. Nope. <laughs> no one no one wants to hug the creepy donkey guy. <laughs> Who wants oh to be a donkey, God. little boy? Yeah. Jesus. Man, he knew what he was doing. Greg, go to your nth degree. <laughs> yeah. He told. He was like, I, I do it big, and he's like, you can do bigger. I'm like, really? I could do bigger? It's like, hey, go for it. Do what you want to do. I'm like, hey, man, fucking hey, I'll, you know, you want them scared? I'll scare Apparate them. Apparate in oh their God. rooms and yeah. come out from under the bed and swipe yeah. them. And I have, this I have is no a, limits when it comes to that. This shit. is now immersive theater. So, oh. yes. yeah, yeah, oh, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure, like the trauma from that show is sitting with a couple of those children in their teenage years now. Absolutely. For a child, that yeah. is the equivalent of like going to England and seeing the woman in black. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, like I'm sure that there's kids now who are watching Shrek and every time donkeys on screen, they start to sweat and they don't know why, you know, their teeth start chattering or their neck like tenses up and they don't, they don't know why it's happening, but it's happening. <laughs> and it's because the seed of me in a fucking red wash is wow. you have left your God. mark. Greg, that's just yep. Yep. So good. 
Oh, fuck. I could talk to you about this forever. I I just want to mention before we go to the wrap up, um, when I accidentally had audio, which, Jen, you can edit out if you want. But like um, from 2011, there is a a moth, the storytelling podcast where where Steve uh, talks about getting laid because of his fame. And it is a delight and i will make sure that you get it but if you want to just find it on youtube um the moth presents steve burns famishness Mm, you know what i I bet he pulled a lot of a lot of uh you know lonely mom action i know i know i'll tell you what the wiggles fucking clean up there is something (laughs) to working in that space yeah i don't understand I find it all very sinister, if I if I may be honest. But I, like, people are into that. Dude, Real good. I, I've had more than more than one mom slide their hand up the furry arm of my cowardly lion costume. I'm not Ooh, kidding. It's happening. I remember you. Yeah, I've I've that. had moms like they cut. They're like you know they're like oh here take a picture with the lion and like shoving their kid into me when I. The kid clearly doesn't want to go near okay. me. And the mother's like sidling up and like sliding her arm around the back of my neck under my wig to my neck. And I'm like, don't <gasps> fucking do that. Like, I'm not meat, man. Come on. Ma'am, you At don't least... know where this costume yeah, is. I'm not here living. to yuck anybody's yum. If you're into it, cool. But like, I, I am fucking not. You better be throwing some nickels. <laughs> <laughs> Tip a like, bitch. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, oh. hooray. One last question, because sure. I know you must have something glorious. What is the weirdest, craziest thing you've ever gone to see performance-wise? <sighs> Maybe not even, like, the most bizarre thing, but it could also be something that you thought was going to be good and was absolutely terrible. I saw or a s- production of... Uh, a production of at like a really small theater it was somebody's play like it wasn't a well-known play it was like some friend of mine um where a guy fucked another guy with a handful of butter as the lube and it was so much more graphic than i ever needed it to be wow. and and it like it went past shock value I'm all about shock value. I am a big fan of snapping your audience into a moment and being like, you are fucking here right now. Now is the present and you're in it. Um, And I I love the idea of keeping your audience in the moment you're in and the one you just left. And that's where they live. Yeah. But this was like it. and, And I felt like, you know, that Hitchcock zoom. Where it's like uh-huh, uh-huh. it like zooms in on you and the hallway gets really long. Like yes. that's what it felt like for me. I was maybe oh, twenty five when I saw this, and and I had just never seen <laughs> theater like that. And to be honest, it was a little. It was inspirational in a way that I was like, "Holy shit! Like you can do anything with theater." Um, but at the same time, I was like, "Jesus Christ! You can do anything in yeah, theater!" You like can it, do anything. You know, like it, it had a real like kind of split for me. Yep. Um, that was Look a out. really, really strange thing. And I've just, I've seen like plenty of really just atrociously bad theater. Sure. Like just stuff that I'm like, what am I fucking doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are any of you doing here? Like, how are you right? as dumb as me for coming oh, to this thing? Um, and in some big places too. I was, I was in a production of, and I, God, I hope he doesn't watch this because he's going to know who he is as soon as he sees it. If he, if he sees it. I did a production of Vampire Macbeth that was one of the worst things I've ever been in in my turn. Oh, no. Uh, that had like the the witches like dancing to Evanescent songs and shit. It was really like over oh, the top terrible. No. And, yeah, and 
And like the conceptually, if you're going to do a Shakespeare play that's vampires, Macbeth is a very good one to do because yeah. of the Ooh, way that I can see that the sure. corruption kind of goes down the chain. You have this like if the witches bite Macbeth and then Macbeth bites his wife and then they kill Duncan. Like it's just a very bloody play that you can see. You can track how different people become a vampire throughout the play that makes sense. Nice. Uh, none of that fucking thought was put into this production. <laughs> oh, no. And it was just super cheesy. And, like, nobody came to see it in this massive theater. We were at, um, it was up in uh, Bloomfield. So it was a Bloomfield University University Theater. I can't remember the name, or Bloomfield College, whatever it is. I can't remember the name of the theater. But it's a very big, very nice theater. And oh, you never notice how many people don't come to your show like you do mm-hmm. in a big theater mm-hmm. where there's like seven fucking people and like this music's <laughs> blasting and there's oh, so little people god. that it's echoing off of the back of oh, the Oh my house. god! Um, oh no. So you're just hearing your own terrible dialogue being echoed back to you. And, like people are looking at their phones. Like it, it was just oh. really, really bad. Um, it's, it's interesting that there's such a difference between, you know, I've, I've, I've directed and acted in film um, and I've directed and acted on stage. And there's such a difference in the way that you relate to each other as actors on stage versus on film and the way the sure. family grows as opposed to a film family. And it was nice uh, to see all the artists like trying to find some way in the desperation of COVID to keep that alive and to maintain that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, I haven't done a lot of live theater in a while. The last thing I did, I, I directed, I'll never make this mistake again. I directed and starred in a production of God of Carnage. Uh, oh, wow. Which is a very dialogue heavy show where it's like mm. a lot of eating. And I would get the shakes every night because I'm like, you know, my cat played Michael, so I'm pounding uh, rum, which is actually like watered down apple juice, but I would go through like two gallons of it a night. Oh, and like, come off like this. Oh, um, God. And then eating like, you know, clafuti, which is a fucking cake made out of like pear. And, like it's just loaded. I love clafuti, but yeah. yeah. It's delicious. My, my fiance made them for the show. They were amazing. Oh. <laughs> um, so we're like eating straight up clafuti. But uh, I, I, so a lot of the people I was doing these readings with are people I haven't been on stage with in a long time or I haven't, some I haven't even talked to in a long time. I, there was one highlight. I did a reading of Anchorman. Nice. Group, oh, that's um, fun. <laughs> with a group of people that are in, um, some of them work for like what used to be Allegro Playhouse, some like the barn and the women's theater of New Jersey and some of these guys. Lillian, Allegro is who I did that batshit production of Cabaret with. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if Allegro is still a thing, but when they were... Very nice people, but uh, yeah. Nice folks, but yeah. oh yeah, I did um, mm, dodgy, dodgy shit with them. <laughs> what What was nice about it, so I, I was playing Champ as the character that Dave Keckner played, the guy with the big, you know, uh, the 10-gallon hat. It was whammy, mm-hmm. like that guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I drank seven glasses of scotch during the course of doing this thing because it was like, who gives a shit, number one? And number two, it's period, you know. Uh, that's so it's funny. Period accurate. Like, you know, it's God, the 70s. Everyone's great. drinking scotch in a newsroom. Um, so I got <laughs> shit faced during the course of that. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like the, the Zoom reading stuff, I, I was trying to, I'm, I'm finishing up a TV pilot right now um, that I was trying to do a Zoom reading for. And because it's, it's, uh, it's like Sesame Street crosses with like Veep. Is kind of the, <laughs> nice. so it's if, if I can like plug this for two seconds. Um, yeah, it, the idea it's called Art of Arc Nation. It's about 
so I because I've worked so much in children's theater, like I know what children's theater actors can be like. So it's this idea that um, this beloved television character named Andy the Aardvark is getting his first arena show. So it's like Sesame Street Live, right? And it's like the first that this company is putting up this arena show. So the show idea revolves around the crew and the executives, just everybody like CEO down to like, you know, the PA uh, who all has to kind of congeal to make this show happen. Um, And it's written in a very veepish style. So it's very nasty it's mm. completely not politically correct at all. They would say a lot of things that you're not supposed to say um, because they're terrible people and the joke mm-hmm, is on mm-hmm. them. It's not, <coughs> on, you know, uh, and it's just something that um, Armando Iannucci, who created Veep, does so well is uh, allow for a space to say like the worst things you've ever heard somebody say and the joke is on the person saying them. Oh, yeah. Right. You're, you're, right. you're using punching down language to punch down on the person who's using the language. Yes. yes. Um, and, and that's such a hard line to toe. Like it's really sure. hard to do that and, and still create protagonists who do that who you do sympathize with in these moments. And I guess that's just the genius of Julia Louis-Dreyfus to be able mm. to be at once a sympathetic character and also the worst human being that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I was trying to put together a Zoom reading for this and I realized like so much of this is about timing, so much of comedy is about timing that it just won't work. Like I have right. to get people in a room together to do this. Otherwise you end up with delays, jokes fall flat. Like it, it's mm-hmm. going to sound like shit and then I'm going to think that it's shit yeah. and it won't go anywhere. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad that we're coming back to a place where we can start like seeing each other. Hell yeah. And, you know. Well, keep me updated for yeah. sure. Sure. And Thespians, I'll put Greg's contact info in the show notes so you can follow him. And uh, look at his photography. His photography is so beautiful. Um, and this has been an utter delight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much Hell, fun. Yes, it's nice walking down this memory and... lane of like, uh, you know, drug paraphernalia and old beer bottles in my brain. Like it's, yes, it's yes. All right, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been Greg Jolly. I'm Jen Ponton. I'm Lillian Bustle. And until next time, listen uh, up, you little shits. Uh, <laughs> Car wash attendants. <laughs> yes. You wearing a hairnet forever, little fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. That was great.